The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. So good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, again, and welcome to the second component uh, of the Braille Lively program. This second session has been designed to highlight three new Braille periodicals that have appeared in NLS's collection. That is the National Library Services collection. They, they aren't kind of immediate. They didn't just happen last month. They've been around for a little while. But we felt it was important to highlight um, some of the components of um, those magazines. They started out when a, a question was raised by my friend Brian Charlson uh, about the fact that there were many folks who were blind and visually impaired, he was told, um, who weren't quite clear on the the way that uh, UEB notation worked in cooking magazines for measurements and things of that sort. And I think he had some other um, some other UEB stuff that he wanted to raise. And he was supposed to be a part of this presentation, but I'm not sure that he's here. So we will talk a little about that, and then I'll talk uh, for a second about the other two segments. The second segment um, has to do uh, with uh, a new knitting magazine, which has appeared, but also it has to do with um, changes um, that, that have occurred in the way that knitting magazines present their information. And so um, we have two folks who will talk about those components. One of them uh, is Judy Wilkinson, who's president of Library Users of America, um, and who is also, uh, I am told, a pretty avid knitter. And, and so we'll be able to talk with us a little bit about that. The third segment of our program this afternoon concerns something that on the face of it, I wouldn't have expected to be very successful, but it apparently is. And that has to do with the publication for the first time by the National Library Service of a crossword puzzle magazine. And there are, there is, it, there is a crossword puzzle magazine, which is now available, uh, which comes out in several parts um, every month, yeah, every, quarter. every quarter, excuse me. And, it is is apparently perfectly possible to use and perfectly possible to uh, to end up doing crosswords. And we have two people who are actually doing those crosswords uh, to talk to us about exactly how they do it and how effective their systems are. And we'll also, of course, invite input um, from uh, other folks. So that's the deal. So I, I think we'll start out with the first duty. And then after that, we will invite the second Judy to contribute what she wishes with regard to knitting. Okay. Um, For a number of years, NLS uh, has published knitting publications. And um, there have been some very good ones put out. And, you know, there have been uh, books in which it inevitably says, look at the diagram on page 222. Well, we always knew that was never going to happen. I mean, there just weren't ways to, to do those diagrams. So we, I've been using these knitting mag- uh, books from NLS for 40 years. And um, that was, uh, that's understandable. Now, a fairly recent challenge has been charts. And I want to, I don't, you don't have to know how to knit. And I promise you to make this as simple as I can to describe to you how charts work. Charts help sighted people you understand what their knitting will look like. You do it on graph paper. And in every little square of the graph, you put a symbol that tells you, you know, whether you're going to knit or purl or yarn over. I'll just keep it that simple. Now, so imagine, I'm just going to imagine a two by two grid. In other words, you have two stitches that you're knitting with. Let's do four stitches. Okay. So, Let's say you have four rows. In a chart, in the first square, you'd put a K for knit. In the second, you'd put a 
P for pearl. So you see, then the the sighted person, maybe in the second row, it's P first and then K, and they get, oh, I I see. It's kind of a broken rib. They just look down and they see opposite things, and they've got a whole picture in front of them. But that's not how a lot of charting works these days. That could be pretty simple. You just fall over K, 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 K. And then the next line might be P, 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 P. But in charts, the way they design them, they really want you to be able to see that. And you can't do it by just reading right to left. So you see, when you knit, imagine your knitting starts in your left hand. You've got four stitches on your needle. You knit them onto your right hand. And the thread is now on the right-hand needle at the pointy end of the needle. Well, okay, how are you going to knit the next row? You have to shift the needle from your right hand to your left hand. So now the pointy, the thread is from dangling from the left-hand end at the pointy end of that needle. I hope that makes sense. Pointy end of, you start from pointy end of left needle, knit four. Now you got them all on the right hand. You got to turn it around. Well, so how do you do that turning around on paper? Well, you read row one from right to left and row two from left to right. Does that make sense? Because again, you've turned it around and it's you. So you have to reflect that on the piece of paper. So you'd think that they, if you're going to knit the first row and purl the second row, I, and I, I will say that all books, all charts that are now produced in Braille has a key at the top because each designer of the chart decides perhaps to write a symbol differently. So there's always going to be a key. So that helps because maybe in pattern one, they'll use the letter K for knitting and the letter P for pearl, say. Well, maybe in the next chart, they decide to use an FOR sign for the K and a dash for a P. But the the chart will tell you that. Uh, The key will tell you that. But what also you have to remember is that in the Braille, the last line of the chart is going to be the first thing you read. So often at the end of the key, it'll say you might be on page 30 and on you might be on pay, row 80 of a pattern. And they'll tell you row one of this pattern is on page 33. So now you flip to page 33, go to the very bottom. You read that very bottom line, which is now going to be row one. You move up one line. That's row two. They're all numbered. So, you know, that's not so bad. Here's where it gets challenging for a blind knitter. And I'm going to talk a little bit about why charts are so good for sighted people and why they're not so good for blind people. And in trying to catch up and do what's, you know, what's modern, we may have created a real problem from for blind knitters, especially older blind knitters Um, and a lot of younger ones, uh, you know, who don't read Braille in the first place, uh, you've got relatively few. Now I haven't checked out the audio and I realize that that, that has uh, some other challenges. And for my next presentation, I will maybe do that, but okay. So now we have a, let's say our chart says, um, On row one, the FOR sign means knit. But when you come back on row two, on your even numbered rows, that same FOR sign is going to stand for pearl. So now now not only, and and the dash is going to stand for pearl on line one, but it's going to stand for knit on line two. So now the blind reader has to remember, okay, FOR, line one is Knit dash is okay. I'm on line two. Wait a minute. I see an FOR sign. Knit. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. And then you now maybe now have to take your hands off your page, back to your knitting needles, and you knit your first two stitches. Is it? What was that next one? So there's a real challenge moving back and forth from your pattern to your. Um, your hands. And um, that is is true in a hard copy Braille where I will say it is a lot easier to look than in a uh, 
Braille. I used, I worked with this magazine, but both in on my Braille uh, note taker, my Braille display, and in hard copy. And in the Braille display, it is really hard to get to those numbers where that line ends and define, you know, to, to do over do, 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 do. If it's a, let's say it's a 50 cell pattern, that's going to take three of my 20 cell braille displays to just even get to what the line number I am I'm on. And then I've got to go all the way down to line one, then, you know, up with my left thumb key back to the next lineup, beginning to see the challenge here. Um, now here's the, the, the thing in, I have read NLS has not has not done such a good job in some of the later books. There's a book by Nikki Epstein about knitting 25 hats, and I don't have its complete title, but you, that's how you'd find it: knitting 25 hats. That book they have totally excluded all charts, and a number of her patterns have charts. That Braille book. I mean, it, she says, see the chart on page 22. There is no reference in the Braille book to any chart on page 22. None whatsoever. So that I think we need to go back and look at a number of these older books, especially those that refer to charts, and see whether they're still whether they're at all usable. I'm I think, frankly, in many cases they are not. Um, I'm going to talk about other kinds of charts in a minute, but um, that is essentially in in trying to do what the sighted world now does. We have created a problem. Knitting used to just be words. You had to learn things as a, as a reader. You know, you had to learn, like it, it might, a pattern might say knit two, and it might have an asterisk, and then it might say parenthesis, knit one, pearl one, end parenthesis, four times, and then you might have an asterisk again. So that means you do everything within the parenthesis four times, and then you repeat everything between the asterisk. So it does take some learning to read it in words. There are things you have to know to know how to read things in a word braille pattern. Of course, in the last 150 years, that's how patterns were written. And everybody had to write in words how to cast on and put your thread over your left thumb and twist it behind your index finger. And I'm telling you, sometimes you really do wish I had a picture of this or I had a DVD or I could go on YouTube because, you know, it was still hard. So it's I'm not here to say that words were always perfect uh, things in words, because often people didn't know how to write in words clearly enough to get the point across with this new challenge. Um, the magazine that they have picked also are very difficult patterns. Um, interweave magazine, uh, is, they do a whole bunch of craft magazines. Uh, but the particular one NLS has chosen, the patterns are very difficult. So, um, I'm, I'm very, I'll be very interested to know what other knitters think. And before I talk about another kind of chart that's in books, that, that it's a challenge, um, can we see if there are questions or comments on what I've said so far? Hi, uh, my name is Jewel. I'm part of the ACB Crafters Division, and um, I wanted to um, speak very briefly um, that I was wondering if there was a way that um, cr you know knitting patterns could be converted to um, something easier in Braille um, if you had volunteers who were willing to do that. If so... You know, maybe that would make it things a little easier. Um, also, there are there's a large portion of, as far as I've been able to tell, people who knit who are loom knitters. So um, I'm curious if there's any expectation to put more loom knitting books out there. There's only one out there on that. I guess I'm I'm wanting you to be a little bit more clear about what exactly you'd like to change. So um, she was talking about the knitting charts and how they're, the sighted world is changing the way they do the chart, the patterns to more like charts, visual charts. 
And I'm wondering if they if they had the volunteers that would re- be willing to convert it to the old no, way. Let's put it back in words. Right, well. exactly. To make it easier for uh, blind knitters, if you had the people willing to do that and proofread it. But that, well, of that course, mean? NLS can't do that because, of course, but. they are there to produce the book, not to not to uh, edit, right. which would, would be an editing issue. Okay. Right, Judy? So. It would be an editing issue. This is Judy here. Dixon. Um, I'm wondering if this is a banner issue. Um, Oops. Well, Judy, I'll just tell you, they clearly say at the beginning they are following the banner rules. Well, but the banner rules need to be changed. Yes. The banner, our banner rules no longer relevant because banner <laughs> worked very hard on our knitting and crochet code <laughs> 10 years ago or so. Actually, more than that even. And, you know, maybe it's time to have relook at that. And I'm, I'm actually ACB's representative to Banna. So uh, if somebody could clearly tell me what it is that is the problem and then what, maybe what they see as the solution, I'd be happy to take that to Banna and see, because then NLS could do it. There are other kinds of charts. This is where, let's say you have 15 sizes and four or five different, um, Weights of yarn. So you might have seven stitches per inch, six stitches per inch, five stitches per inch, plus 15 sizes. Now, those charts are are difficult, but they are easy to follow. You know, you find where the size 36 starts. You count over seven to get uh, this, the number for seven in seven stitches to an inch, and that's the number you read. And, you know, I have sometimes will take that and just write myself out, uh, you know, the pattern uh, for myself without, so I don't have to keep looking every row. That is, you know, a word type version of a chart. It's not necessarily easy, but there is no sensible way to, to do those charts. Those are done in a sense in an old fashioned count six over and two down and there you are. And yes, it's a problem. It's a, you know, it's a challenge, but I see no problem with that kind of chart. And I want to make a distinction between, you know, that kind of chart and the chart that literally is telling you what to do with your fingers. Um, and I, and I think the, um, the banner to, to, to look again at the challenge, I, I want to talk about the principle, and I'll just then stop here. The principle is that we wanted to do the things that are done in modern, uh, in modern books. You don't, you often don't find so many knitting books anymore that are, are old fashioned, but I've, you know, I was just talking with, um, Alice O'Reilly, who's head of collections, and she's an avid knitter. And she and is excited about this. And, and so in addition to whatever we do with Banna, um, she has talked about let's begin to look at other places to find maybe just amalgamations of patterns and maybe not try to find real books, but, you know, maybe just some amalgamations, six glove patterns or 15 slipper patterns and, you know, try to get ones that are written in words or translated. And so they're going to look at ways to do better stuff with knitting because, I you know, I think we've just there's been a real problem in how to choose those. And I do see some progress ahead, but I do see this chart uh, is, is, is a serious obstacle of having tried to do what sighted folks do, but it really isn't going to work for most blind folks. And I'll stop there. All right. I'm curious. Um, there are only two variations on the rows when you said going one direction and the other. So does that equate to the right side and the wrong side of the pattern? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Miss Judy Wilkinson, thank you so much for your presentation. And I understand that in the Zoom room, my friend Brian Charleston has now arisen. Mr. Brian, hello. So when we were talking about this, as we were putting together the Lua programming, we uh, got a chance to kind of gripe with one another about the changes that are happening out there. And Judy, of course, is, you know, the knitter par excellence. And I'm an amateur chef slash cook slash baker. And my 
beefs <laughs> had to do with cookbooks. Um, I understand the value of uh, the unified code. I absolutely do. It did have some interesting effects when it came to reading cookbook recipes because how numbers are handled, especially fractions, uh, dramatically increase the number of spaces it takes to put down one and two-thirds teaspoons of something, whatever that might be. And so as I sit in my basement surrounded by the joy of cooking in 33 volumes and then think how many volumes the future might have in store for such epic uh, cookbooks. The other thing is, I don't think there's anybody out there who has Braille cookbooks. Um, you know, you collect them. So you're going back and forth between how things were written previous to how things are written modern. And it takes me a moment or two to go back and forth between that. And then there's the third kind of Braille code, which is the all always popular, it's how I write things code. Um, because people will share a recipe with you, and those become more interesting. It's always interesting when a friend sends you a Braille recipe. But most times, somebody reads them to you, you and transcribe them yourself. So that becomes kind of your private code for writing those things down. And you're looking to compress it rather, you know, take up less space, not more, when doing those recipes. So for me, old school, I guess, is I might prefer sitting down and reading a recipe out of a leaf, uh, a leaf from our table than uh, a newly embossed Braille cookbook. I guess the other thing that complicates the more modern cookbooks is that um, they're doing both, what's it called, imperial measurements and... Um, metric measurements in doing things. And that makes saying how much of a given thing uh, a three-line process. Uh, if there are any cooks out there who read cookbooks, I read them almost like a novel, but is there anybody out there who uses cookbooks, who finds any of what I'm saying uh, makes sense to them? Well, I'll make a comment here. Um in terms of the slashes, it has so much to do with the origin of the document because the two-cell slash is meant to be used when there is an actual slash, a, a oblique stroke in the string of characters. Fractions are still what they always were, like one-half is one ST sign B, or A, ST sign B. And when it's a fraction, when it is a literal one with a horizontal line with a two under it, that is written without the two-cell slash. So it only depends on what kind of input uh, happened to create this document. Oh, I don't know that an extra cell really adds quite that much. And personally, I mean, the joy of cooking wasn't even done in UEB, so we can't. Yeah, like I'm just saying, well, just think how big that book would be. And by the way, okay, so tell me in Braille, what would be one and one half teaspoons? It depends on how the book, did, it, did, no. did the print book have a hyphen? What if it didn't? One Number sign, A, space, number sign, A, 456, ST, B. It added one cell. Yeah. So I've seen a number where, um, where there are extra number signs in them as well. Um, and again, the very fact that if a print 
used a slash or used a single character that was a one-half, why do I, as a reader, care? Should I be caring? Is, is that a rhetorical question? I, no, I'm, I'm literally asking Judy. Why would the code say that if it's an actual separate symbol, we're going to indicate that it is? But if they don't tell us it's a separate symbol, but it has the same meaning, um, we'll do it with the ST sign. One of the principles of UEB is about following print. You might not care, Brian, but there are times when people do. And there are times when people do need to know what characters. And I don't know about you, but I don't want Braille producers deciding when I need to know what characters are there and when I don't need to know what characters are there. I want to raise another issue, which is books from Bookshare cookbooks. Now, if you think there might be a problem with books from NLS, will you try to read a fraction in a cookbook from Bookshare? They cannot write a three-fourths for some, for some reason. You can, it says number sign lowers, lower three slash B and uh, lower slash two, three. And I have figured out somehow that's three-fourths and not three-halves. Um, and then there are often OU signs that follow things like it, it, there's just a lot of garbage. And of course I can talk to Bookshare about that, but I just want to warn you that you probably better off staying with books, however they are for the, for the reason, for the time being from a place that is going to, in fact, somehow manage to get the, the translating better. But Brian, I want to say something more about the way a, a fraction is written. We should clearly say, like, if it's one and three-fourths, I would I would think that's not – it is number one, dash, number sign, three, sometimes you, four, five, six, S-T, four for three-fourths. And to me, that's no problem. Anyway, I'm stopping that's okay. That's okay. This is this is Harry. I have to say that I agree with Brian. There are too many signs. I learned Braille a long time, and not when I was a kid, but when I was a grown up. And although I use it, I'm not fast with it. And there are too many signs, um, and it's really a problem in cooking magazines as well. I tend to um, practice by practice my braille reading by reading Martha Stewart Living every month, and it can take me twice as long to get through it as it used to. Um, and it does, it's going to take up so much space that, like, really, Joy of Cooking will probably be 50, 50 volumes if we if we have to do it this way. And I I I don't understand why. When I read Braille, I care if it looks like print. I really don't. So can can you describe for me, Penny? Um, I, I mean, I, I have seen some I examples from where we're probably talking right about now, one space or two spaces um, difference. But that's not going to go from 33 to 50 volumes, no matter which way you jump. So you're going to have to persuade me that there's a lot more space. Well, I'm, I'm probably being hyperbolic, Paul. I'm sure you're right. But um, I just, I agree with Brian. I just find it annoying. Um, and I also have a question. Now that the NLS is, is going to let me ask for a Braille book every month, if I asked for Joy of Cooking, would I then get a Braille volume every, for the next 33 months? No, <laughs> you'll get the whole thing. And really? Williams. And it's only 30. And I think that's amazing. That's very cool. Okay, so I'm I'm really I'm not here to complain so much, but I do agree with what Brian is saying. Thanks. Hi. Um, so I, this is a genuine question, not a judgment or anything. My question is: Are we trying to produce books that mimic print, or are we trying to produce books that blind yeah. people can read? That's my question. I I don't think that. I don't think that it's appropriate to talk about mimicking print because that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, we are talking about writing material that corresponds to the material as it began. 
And that's an entirely different issue because it seems to me that we have a responsibility if we choose to accept it uh, to to be given Braille that is in fact um, correspondent to the material that it started out as. And, and if we don't do that, then what we're ending up doing is we are ending up creating a barrier between ourselves as Braille readers and the material as it was. Let's imagine a blind person who's in culinary school. And this blind person has a Braille note. This blind person's in culinary school, doesn't have a teacher's aid, doesn't have anybody helping him with his documents. But he has to produce print, and he has to produce accurate print for his teachers, and he's going to write UEB so that it will back-translate accurately and completely and represent the document that he intends it to represent. And the way UEB is currently constructed, it will allow him to do that. Yes. Yes. Um, and Judy, I think was Judy. They just made the point I was going to make that you know the the main purpose for UEB, I always understood it, was for to to make back translation more possible and accurate. One of the things that, if there's only one thing that really messes me up, honestly, still is why is it that after a slash, for example. I need to, I don't need a, a number sign. And after the dash or the period, for example, I do. That's why I usually get messed up. But one of the advice, one of the pieces of advice that I would have for everybody, <clears throat> the way that I learned or practice UEB is by, from the beginning, ensuring that when using a Braille display with my iPhone, for example, is to turn, make sure the translation is to UEB. And therefore, it forces you to really learn those signs and practice them. So that's how I did it. But thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, it's a great point. Thank you very much. So before we leave this subject, um, I'd like to say that my comments were not, let's see, how did you put it? UEB bashing. It was an expression of user frustration um, and hopefully UEB can withstand a little bit of uh, oh, it, ha- it gets funny of bashing, Brian. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I want to um, I want to thank both Brian and Judy. Um, I, I think they have enlivened our discussion significantly by enabling us to um, e- e- explore um, people's happiness with um, UEB. Um, I. I I am not um I am not so far convinced that UEB is a bad thing in terms of cooking but I'm sure Brian will work on it. Um and and I know Penny will. <clears throat> so the third component um that that we that we want to talk some about uh has to do with crossword puzzle magazines. What I thought I would do is uh, ask Jane to start. And Jane, perhaps you could explain for folks a little bit about what a password, a crossword magazine is as well, and then tell us how you use it and why you like it. And then we'll pass it on okay. to Ralph and perhaps to Judy as well. Okay. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with crossword puzzles. I always have. I remember in I think it was my weekly reader when I was a child, there was a crossword puzzle every every in every issue, and I looked at them and I you know well, that's interesting and I never did much with them. Then when I was a young adult, I got a Unilet crossword puzzle board, and it had a grid had had squares like a like a chessboard sort of like a Scrabble board, and there were tiles that you could uh, push up from the bottom to make the dots of an individual braille cell and you would put each one in to into a square you know if you wanted a t you'd push up two three four five and that would be a t um and then i had crossword puzzle books that go with them and i got frustrated with it so i sold it i could have kicked myself for selling it um so then last year ralph smitherman told me 
that there is a new crossword puzzle magazine. I thought, oh, wow. You know, maybe, yeah, I'm reading about things where you need to stimulate your, your mind as you get older and stuff. That would be a great thing to do. So um, I looked at it. And basically, what a crossword puzzle is for people who don't know, there are clues um, for each word. And um, the, the puzzle itself is a grid um, with um, so many um, squares uh, going from left to right and so many squares going up, up and down. Sometimes they're 15 by 15. Sometimes they're 21 by 21. And the, uh, the squares, uh, it's like an Excel spreadsheet. So then maybe that's why I like them. Um, so uh, across the top, there are, are um, uh, yeah, across the top is the numbers. Um, one through 15 or whatever, and a, down the side are um, A through O. So the top left-hand square is, is A1. It's sort of like Barbier's code um, a little bit. Um, and so your first word may be a four-letter word for uh, what falls out of the sky in the wintertime, you know, and it would be snow. So you'd put S-N-O-W in A1 through um, uh Right. D1. So, and then you, you, the, there are other um, clues that are go down. So you go down. Um, S is the first one. So, um, and then um, row two, row three, and row four, whatever. And the first, the next word would be um, going up and down. So I figured there's got to be a way to do these crossword puzzles. And since I don't have my Unilet crossword puzzle board, anymore i figured i gotta figure out a way to do these crossword puzzles so at first i rolled a piece of paper into my braille writer okay i'm gonna do it that way but then i made a mistake how am i going to erase the word that i didn't mean to put in there the letters i didn't mean to put so i erased it and i did the right one and it was really hard to read and then rolling your paper up and down and back and forth my paper got out of alignment so it was a mess so that's not going to work so my brother is a woodworker so i called my brother and i said you need to make me a crossword puzzle board and so and it's got to have squares in it with borders around them like a like a scrabble board a braille scrabble board and each one has got to have six holes two across and three down like a braille cell and then we're going to get push pins and we're going to we're going to, um, you know, put um, dot, dots one and four for for a C or whatever. My brother said, OK, I can do that. And how big does it need to be? So here's where Ralph comes in again. And oh, darn it. Um, I knew that some of the puzzles were 15 by 15. But the bigger ones, Ralph told me that they were 20 by 20. So I told my brother, okay, make it 20 by 20. Then I get the, the, the first magazine um, issue. It's 21 by 21. So I'm glad my brother's not listening to this because I can't use a 20 by 20 for the big puzzles. So um, he's going to, he's made it and he's going to bring it to me, but he's not bringing it until September. So I had to figure out a different way. So how would it be? If I use my Braille display, um, on the first row, I wrote um, one through um, one through um, 15, you know, A through O, A, B, C, D, all, you know, for the for the numbers. And then down the left hand side, I wrote I wrote the coordinates down the left hand side. So and I put say the first word was was snow. I would write dash, 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 dash. F-O-R sign, because there's a blank. And then I have dash, 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 F-O-R sign, F-O-R sign, if those two next spaces were supposed to be blank. So I made the whole grid, and I wrote it in my Braille display. And then I was able to replace those dash, 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 dash with S-N-O-W, if that was the word. So it's worked extremely well. Um, for, for I've done 11 puzzles so far. I'm still working in the winter issue. The winter issue of the Dell Sunday crossword is like 11, seven or eight or nine. How many? 11? 
Yes. And and Ralph only sent me volumes one and two. So, <laughs> but then, but then I got I have two issues of my own now. Um, so I I started figuring out, well, do I really need all this paper? And I could save some trees by looking, uh, downloading the, the, um, the issue from Bard. But I didn't like that because it was written in grade two Braille. And I, I keep my computer, my uh, Braille display in, in computer Braille. So uh, I just soon write my own grid. And so before I do a puzzle, I write my own grid. This row is this and this row, the next row is this. It gets a little bit tedious when there are 21 by 21, but you know, when it's done, it's done. And then you can start working on the puzzle. And I could spend like two or three hours, um, doing, doing these puzzles. And I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, there, there was some talk. Uh, we've had some meetings, um, some people from NLS and some crossword puzzle aficionados have had some meetings to think about how can we make these crossword puzzles accessible so that people can actually take advantage of them if they don't have a braille display and one of the ideas was to get sheets of letters like with sticky stuff on the back you'd have a sheet of a's and a sheet of b's and a sheet of c's so if you want um the word snow you'd go to the s's that sheet and rip off an s and stick it onto a a grid that um you know, you can make a grid with with lines of C's and put L's in between where, you know, where each each square or NLS could even print them out, maybe. Um, so you could get these grids and you would get sheets of letters and you would put the letters where you wanted them to be. Um, and then when you ran out, you could you could um, get some more of the letters. Oh, oh another another idea that I had that worked relatively well, which, which is sort of the same as, as that idea. I got my cross, my um, Scrabble board. That's only 15 by 15. So you can only do the small puzzles. So I got these bananagram tiles from Maxi Aids. They are squares. They fit in the, the squares of a Scrabble board, um, but they have um, Braille letters on them. And so you could you know, find the letter you wanted um, and put it in there. Uh, the problem is that if you want a, an S, you'd have to look through all of the, the tiles that you've got to find the S, and that, that takes time. Um, I tried to divide them up into A through J in one container and K through T in another container and U through Z in another. That alleviated some of the tedium, but not much, because then when you finish with the puzzle, you'd have to put them all back where they belong. So that was when right. I called my brother and I said, make me a crossword puzzle board because this is not working. So for me, the the um, Braille display works really well. I realize that a lot of people don't have Braille displays. So um, we, we're trying to figure out a, a different ways for other people to do them. But for me, the, the, the Braille display works really well. So I'm happy as a clam with my crossword puzzles. Yes, uh, as Judy, as Jane mentioned, uh, NLS has started producing the Dell Sunday crossword. They're in soft uh, copy Braille, you know, no hard copy book. Uh, uh, the winter 2022 edition was 11 volumes. And how this works, you know, people can either, you know, do it on a Braille writer or, uh, you know, Braille display or whatever, however you want to do it. Whatever is comfortable with you. Uh, I've always loved games, so I had to get on this list. So how it's done is, for example, here's the name of a crossword. Raise the ante, A-N-T-E, okay, uh, by Karen Poyer. They give you the name of the puzzle and who who it's written by. And then they give the across clues first. Just for an example, tomato sauce brand, four letters, so everybody know it's ragu, right? R A G U. So ragu would be going on uh, row one, A B C D. The letters are across the top of the page, A through O, and the numbers are on the left side of the page, one through fifteen. So after the clue, let's read another clue. Oh, if I can find one, Lodge Members for short. That's 
on letter L, row three. So that's how you keep up with that. And that's four letters. Uh, then it gives you the four-letter answer. Now, after the across clues, which are all together, you will go to the down clues. And when you do that, you can uh, you can go back and forth if you want. You know, you read a cross clue and then a down clue, however you want to do it, whatever is comfortable. After all the clues are given, there will be a page of a blank grid to show you how it looks when it's blank. And then the next page will be your answers. So rather, you know, a lot of puzzle books will have puzzles in the front and turn to page 94 for the answers. This doesn't do that. It gives the answers to each puzzle after, immediately after the puzzle. So that that is, that is uh, beneficial, especially if you are not familiar with some, sometimes crossword puzzles are offbeat and, and rather um, uh, they can be Byzantine and uh, rather, you know, nebulous. So sometimes you have to look at the answer if you want to proceed, but it's whatever, whatever makes you comfortable. And like I say, I've always loved games. So I love this. Uh, I love the fact that NLS has produced this and I just hope people will call and sign up and get one. They send it to your house in one box so far. (laughs) But like, like I say, the winter edition was a jumbo edition. It came in 11 volumes There'll be a spring edition and a summer and fall edition with uh, volume, you know, four or five volumes. I, I don't, you know, it may vary. So anyway, uh, crosswords are fun. And the, the, in fact, you know, there is a national crossword puzzle seminar each year and with, uh, <clears throat> with people who write crosswords and they'd have tests and games and see who finishes first and all that. Uh, which I would never do, but I've heard of people, sighted people taking a pen and writing their answer rather with a pencil. So, so a lot of people are into crosswords and have been for years. And now we have our chance to participate. So um, we've heard from Ralph and Jane. We have one other uh, crossword aficionado that I know of, and that's Judy Dixon. So let's let's see how she approaches them. I also found, I tried a bunch of different ways. I did try the Braille Writer way. I found, I printed out a piece of graph paper on uh, swell paper, pretty expensive way to do a crossword puzzle, but it was a 15 by 15 graph. But again, and I was writing the letters in the little squares and that was fun. But then again, I ran into the problem that Jane had was if I wanted to change a word, it was, it was really messy and it didn't work very well. So um, I'm not a real fan of the idea of the letter stickers. I think that would be hugely tedious and uh, I don't want to do that. I want to make this easy. So I did, I've also evolved to the uh, Braille display way and uh, I do just, I don't care if it's in contracted Braille. I also keep my Braille display in computer Braille. I never ever turn on contracted Braille. But I, uh, but you can still look at contracted braille, and it doesn't care; it doesn't know. So uh, I just take the clip out the BRF file and take the magazine, the the um, pages that I want, and then I look at whatever I, the puzzle itself on my braille display and the pages of the physical magazine for the clues, and that works pretty well. I uh, I do find that that works. I just want to also say for people who like crossword puzzles. There's a wonderfully accessible iPhone app called Four Down that where you can play crossword puzzles. Absolutely fantastic. It works really, really well. And so that's that's lots of fun. And I think, and I don't know if this still exists, but we can inquire, but APH had some kind of way that you could play the New York Times crossword puzzle. And if anybody knows, anybody in the room know if that's still... I remember it. Yeah, it was three or four years ago, and I don't know if it still is or not. I remember trying it, and it worked really well, but but there's so many things to do. (laughs) All right. Hi, um, my name's Roberta. I live in Michigan, Um, and as Jane was talking, it occurred to me that, and I don't know if it's still available, but years ago, APH had a training tool that was made out of plastic, and it was a 10-cell, it was like a 10-cell plastic 
slate, I'll say slate, quote unquote slate, it had pegs that you could move up and down. Yes. Yes. I'm wondering if something like that could be adapted so that it was, I don't know, 10, you know, put, put three of them side by side. And I mean, the way they're made, the way they're made right now, it would be a very large board as big as a card table, but whether that device or that idea could be adapted into a 21 by 21 um, grid type thing where each, each box had the little six pegs that could be moved up and down. And so there wouldn't be anything permanent. Anyway, that was my thought. And a uh, quick question for Judy. The device was designed for um, teaching people slate writing. And so what you're meant to do is, you know, if you were trying to do it so you could read it in a straightforward way, you'd have to push down the dots you didn't want. And uh, I don't know how, if a lot of people might find that a little funky. Yes, quite possibly the way it is. I mean, it would have to be revised in some way, but I, have a, I, have I just a, remember that device. I have a slate in my collection that's a paperless slate, and the dots are like like a ballpoint pen. So you they're down, and then if you press it, it pops up, and you press it again, it goes back down. Yeah, like that. Something Great like idea. That would be um, kind of cool. Yeah. Quick question for Judy: um, the four down is it the word four? Yes. And is there a space? F-O-U-R space D-O-W-N. Okay, great. Thank you. Hi. Um, I had another thought. Did any of you see, I got it at CSUN years ago, and it was from Germany, and it was a Sudoku, Braille Sudoku, and it had the little magnetic uh, letters, and you would take it with a little tiny pole, and you'd move it to where you wanted it on the grid, and it was so much fun. Um, but anyway, just a thought for that. And then they also had the, the crossword puzzles in Conundrum, um, remember from, was it RNIB that Conundrum was from? I don't know if they're still making it. Um, but they had crossword puzzles, but they were always so hard. I gave up on them and went to the word uh, fine. I tried those too, and they were very hard. And I agree. I think magnets is a great idea because you could, you'd have a lot of, like, you'd have to be careful not to touch it too much. But I think doing something with it, would, it would, could end up being a relatively inexpensive, some of the other solutions we're talking about could be quite expensive, but I think an idea of doing something with magnets and, and dots of sorts um, could be quite useful. Yeah. It worked for Sudoku because they stayed in place because it was magnetic. And then I've the little seen that board. I know what you're talking about. Oh, it was so amazing. Thank you. Hi, it's Penny. Jane, the, the person that the company that made the board that you sold, are they out of business? I think it was from uh, AP, um, AFB, AFB back when they used to sell things. And I even, um, I wrote to the person who I sold it to and I said, are you still using it? Can I have it back? And she said, no. So, <laughs> Well, I wonder if BRL could approach that company if they are still in business. Well, I don't because think they're still in business. That or, was, or, um, it was or, 30 or 40 years ago. Uh, or yeah. approach somebody else with... Um, with well, an idea of making NLS it because it is could seriously be, interested in finding could, a solution to this. It could yeah. be a great uh, fundraising opportunity for BRL. Yeah. I think if you could partner with a company and maybe the NLS would want to get involved as well, since they're publishing yeah. the magazines now, maybe somebody um, could do it with a, with a uh, 3d printer, you know, I and make uh, the yeah, tiles. I'm, I bet somebody could, but you'd have to figure out what to make the letters out of, but that's a really good idea too. Uh, my son made me a cherry pitter with a 3D printer in 10 minutes. So it, 3D printers were amazing. Uh, anyway, just a thought. I think it would be a great fundraising opportunity for BRL if you guys could part, if we could partner with somebody to do it. Larry, you're up. First, I want to ask uh, Jane, if uh, did you try using the slate? Did that work at all? And secondly, maybe you could talk your brother into manufacturing these. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have not tried a slate. I did ask my brother. I did tell him that when he made this, several other people are going to want them. It took him weeks 
But he said it was a big challenge. He enjoyed the challenge, but I really don't think he would make them. He made, he's a woodworker. He made them out of wood. So I think, I mean, and then it's extremely heavy and extremely bulky. The only reason I'm going to get it is because they're coming up here in September for another event. Um, shipping would be astronomically expensive. So I think if we're going to do this, it would be better to do it with plastic. So um, why did why didn't you try it with a slate? Is that too hard? I, I would I, would I think like with a six a six line nineteen cell slate that maybe it could work. Well, but well, for no, it would be difficult. Yeah, you'd have to to constantly be uh, turning your paper over to read. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's that was more trouble than I wanted to do. That was worth <laughs> a braille writer. Okay. Still not big enough. Yeah, no. Well, you know, they have those page slates, too. uh, The thing I didn't get to say earlier was that I agree with, I think it was Judy uh, Wilkinson that was talking about, or maybe, I don't know, was talking about people needing to know print um, representation. When I was teaching kids to go to college, we spent a lot of time on what term papers looked like. Because they didn't know they were a lot of them were braille readers. They didn't understand some of the some of the ways that print is produced. My other question, though, Judy Dixon, is I am reading Dogster magazine and they have advertising in Dogster magazine. If you want to get certain kinds of puppies, you can call these different places and get them. And I didn't think they were supposed to do that. NLS NLS makes a distinction between what is an announcement and what is an advertisement? And the distinction is, does the publication get paid for putting it in? And if the publication doesn't get paid for putting it in, then it's an announcement and it can be done. Even if they call it an advertisement? Well, I don't know what they call it, but if they call it an advertisement, but it, it has to do with whether the publication okay. gets paid. Okay, well, that that's... Interesting because I've never seen those kind of ads before, and I thought, wow, this is interesting. Thank you very much. Jewel. Hi, a quick question um, for anybody who might know. Is the um, format of the new book, the uh, Dell book, the same as in the conundrum, or is it different? And if so, how so? The format is very different. It's very different. I've given up on conundrum. I'm going to tell them don't send me conundrum anymore. It actually, the, the, this book actually shows you a grid. I mean, you can, it's really, it's very two-dimensional and you can actually see the puzzle. The problem is you can't write on it in the magazine. And that's the challenge because it shows you where the blanks are. It shows you where the characters are that you put in and you can, you can see it across the page and down the page. Anisio. Judy, I, I can't find that app you're talking about. Can you spell it again for me? F-O-U-R space D-O-W-N. All right, I'll keep looking. I couldn't find it first. but Oh, I hope it's not gone. It's, it was, it's, I, just, I checked. It's still on my phone, but, but I yeah. don't know. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, Judy Wilkinson says she has it too. Hi, um, I was wondering about the... Um, Volumes from NLS, so they, do they actually send you the Braille volumes, or do you download a, them? It is a magazine. It is, oh. yes, it is a magazine that you subscribe to, like any other magazine, and physical volumes come in a nice big box. And <laughs> it's but, big. But it's, but it's also a and then do you, And it's also on BART, as are other Braille magazines. You can yeah. have both. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, okay. Okay, thanks. Roberta. This is just a follow-up. Four Down is not available in the app oh, store, as he yeah. said. Um, unless it's something different, like like F-O-U-R, no space down. I did not look for that, but under four space down, it's, it's definitely. Not- my, I just checked my phone. It's definitely a space. Oh, that's too bad because it's a great app. So uh, thank you very much, everyone, for, for coming. The, the the materials that we talked about today will be available in a podcast. And, and I would urge um, those people who 
were not able to listen to us on stream uh, at, on, yeah, to catch up with the podcast. Madam host, thank you very much for your involvement. And everyone, thank you very much for being here. And uh, we will see you next year. And the the next Braille Buzz call is coming up in August. And it will feature a history of uh, uh, the the company that produces the Orbit Reader and the Orbit Writer. And uh, its uh, chief executive officer will be our guest. And we hope you'll join us. Bye.